Hey there, John here. We are so glad you're listening to the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. If you're new to the show, I hope you find something here you'll enjoy and that gives you a reason to come back. If you've been listening for a little while or a long while, as is the case with so many of you, I want to ask a favor. Would you consider introducing us to just one friend this week? There's really no better method of advertising than word of mouth. Pick a friend who shares your sense of humor or interests, even if they don't know what a podcast is, and tell them why our show has become a regular listening for you. And be bold. Help them get a podcast app on their phone and walk them through how to subscribe to the show. We love that you're here and would greatly appreciate your recommendation. Thanks for your time. Now, let's get on with the show. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up Podcast listener to the Gen X Grown Up Backtrack Podcast, which is the episode between our regular shows where we pick a single topic from our youth and dig in deep on it. I am John. Joining me, as always, is George. Hey, how's it going, guys? And Mo is here. Hey, everybody. We are ready to dig in deep on something that came from our youth that has either changed dramatically or gone away a bit, and something we just did recently in Atlanta gave us the idea for this show. That's right. We were at Dragon Con. Something that's unique to Dragon Con, I think, people walk around and just hear hand out free swag just to random strangers. Like, these are not companies or anything. It's just individuals. I guess it's a movement that happens it's at Dragon just Con. just a thing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And they make up these little swag gifts, and they just walk around and hand them out. We got a couple of them at our table, and one of them was this really nice gentleman. He walked up. He handed us these little taped Ziploc bags yep. full of old trading cards. Yeah, and I had somebody walk up to me with a basket, and he said, cake or death? Like, excuse me? Right. Cake <laughs> yeah. or death? And I'm like, oh, I, I'm not hungry. Death? And he handed me a trading card. It said uh, Dragon Con swag on one side, and mm -hmm. it was like a tarot card of the death character on the other side. Right. And so I'm like, we're getting all kinds of trading cards here at Dragon Con. Remember how cool trading cards were? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We thought, hey, next backtrack we record, let's talk about collectible cards. Because, man. There you go. I was heavy into collectible cards at, at many phases in my life. I kind of came in and came out of it. Mm -hmm. Probably the case with a lot of Gen Xers. How about you guys? Oh, for me, for sure. I mean, from early days of collecting baseball cards and then getting into like all the, I guess, the more funny cards, mm -hmm. kind of like the pop culture cards that came out. Non-sport stuff too. Yeah. It was always a big selection growing up of different types of cards. Yeah, I would agree with Bo. I mean, it started out for me with baseball cards because I was a big baseball fan, obviously, and player and right. everything. And then, of course, you know, as your favorite TV show or movie would come out, they started making cards of those because they saw that kids could talk their parents into spending 99 cents or 
59 cents or whatever it was for a pack of them. Then later on, I like you, John, I fell away. I started collecting trading cards again back when you and I first met in that old Star Trek club. Mm-hmm. And that became a, bunch a of whole those. thing of that. So trading cards really were big for us when we were Gen Xers growing up. They've come and gone. I still collect them a bit. We thought we should dig into collectible cards. And that's what we're going to do in this backtrack right now. Billy's back. Hey, kid. Mission's on. Introducing G.I. Joe trading cards. We're taking out Cobra headquarters tonight. Who's going? Billy! Snake Eyes, Stalker, and Duke. Probably the best place to start anytime you're going to talk about the history of something is... The history of it, <laughs> not just our Gen X history and our exposure to it, but kind of where did it begin, the origin of it. And our resident historian, Mo, he took the initiative <laughs> to do a little research on where trading cards kind of first came about. Yeah, go figure, research. Nice job, well done. <laughs> well, I mean, to me, it's always like, it's just interesting to figure out where these things originate, right? And when I explain this, you'll actually you'll see why the trading cards are the size they are today. Oh, okay. Because how they started was that they were called trade cards. Like T-R-A-D-E right. cards. Back when they used to create packs of cigarettes, in order to keep the back stiff, they put a cardboard card back No. There. So it yep. was because of a pack of cigarettes? That's because where the size developed? Yep. That's crazy. <laughs> and then after a while, someone had an idea. Hey, we could print crap on these pieces of cardboard. Or you got to print them anyway. Yeah. We were, oh, actually, they weren't printed. They were just blank cardboard. But now they we were just print blank cards on before. But oh, they were like, oh, okay. oh, here's an advertising opportunity. Right. They either advertise or do something neat. Basically, it just took off. They said kids would be like waiting outside of stores, asking people to give them their cards after they bought cigarettes. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought you said kids were gonna were buying cigarettes just to get the cards. I was like, that's well, this was kind the of a 1880s, era. so maybe. <laughs> no, no, no. This, this is not toddlers on Tinder, George. This is uh, no wow. kids smoking cigarettes. Okay, I forgot about that one. How is that not going to ever be gone? <laughs> so essentially, other industries started getting these little cards and we're including them like in a box of soap or something like that, or just laundry detergent. Oh, and so the basically okay. it started becoming like a thing, a thing to collect. That's the way it went until about the 1950s when the first tops, you know, we knows tops, right? For trading cards. Oh yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. They were called the Tops Chewing Gum Company. And so they were looking for a way to sell more gum. So they would put a card in with a pack of gum. Now that oh. I had heard about, yeah, I remember it's starting that to shift. It started yep. that way. I remember hearing about the Tops Gum Company. Yeah, and of course we know how that eventually evolved into the stuff they do today. <laughs> but yeah, that's essentially <laughs> what happened. Really, up until the like nineteen through the seventies, the only types of really cards, popular cards anyway, were like sports. Right, we had baseball, sure. football mm-hmm. started yeah. coming a little bit, basketball. It's funny, they actually have a term for this. They call it the junk wax era. The junk wax era? Junk <laughs> wax era, which went from 84 to about mid-90s, which basically there was just a flood of collectible cards. You name it, topic, there was a freaking collectible card on it. Yeah, all right. I'd vouch for that. Yeah, that's true. It, in a sense, it almost it oversaturated the market. Yeah. Oh, okay. They said to this day, you could still find unopened crates and pallets of some of these things. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Because there's nobody bought them and they're sitting someplace. So that's kind of like a brief history of where these trading cards came from. So the the, the gum company, that amuses me. I'm like always, when we talk about like home video games that we often uh, reminisce fondly on, you know, I think of like Coleco that was the Colorado mm-hmm. leather company, you know, started one mm-hmm. way and, you know, kind of the origins of things. And I never, uh, George, you had heard of it. I hadn't. That Tops started out chewing gum and then added cards mm-hmm. into the chewing gum because the trade cards, <laughs> then later the gum was an afterthought, just kind of was in with the cards. Kind of, <laughs> right. Hey, these it cards are more popular than our crappy gum. And a piece of cardboard is a lot cheaper. <laughs> and tastes yeah, better. Is. Because yeah, I, if you've ever eaten that Topps gum, it was pretty damn bad. <laughs> Talk about a winning hand. 
all of my disturbing, revolting brilliance is now available on my Tales from the Crypt trading cards. Could you use a helping hand on your next electronics project? Quad Hands is the ultimate third-hand helping hands vice and hobby station. The first thing you'll notice is how heavy a quad hands is. It's made from solid steel and then coated with a baked-on powder coat for a durable finish. And the rubber feet are going to keep it from sliding on your bench and give you a nice, sturdy work surface. Those flexible all-metal gooseneck arms feature rotating alligator clips to hold your boards and wires firmly in place. And removable silicone covers come pre-installed on those clips to protect those delicate wires and boards. And those arms can be put anywhere you need them, no fumbling around with awkward joints that are difficult to position. The quad hands was designed to help you do your best work. It's built to last right here in the USA and backed by a lifetime guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Order yours today from Amazon or quadhands.com. Gen X Grown Up podcast listeners can save 20%. Just use offer code GENXUP20, that's G-E-N-X-U-P-2-0. For your next project, let a quad hands hold what your hands create. So another thing that I kind of discovered in my research was that there was actually a series of cards called American Civil War cards. What? They were were they released during the Civil War? <laughs> no, no, they were released in the 1960s. Oh, okay. But the thing about oh, okay. it is that they actually showed real pictures of the Civil War. Oh, like those old, like the, yeah. old like photography. the sourpuss-faced photographs that <laughs> oh, they would do in the that, Civil dude. War? Really? Yeah, you see people getting impaled by bayonets. Ugh. What? <laughs> people getting rolled over by like the big cannon treads. There were like wow. action photographers during the Civil War or something. Yeah, How there, did I mean, they get these pictures? pictures? I mean, was, photography was pretty, you know, it was starting to hit its stride back then. But because back then, I mean, they were taking pictures because taking pictures was not simple. So I guess they took pictures of things they thought were interesting. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I guess. A little macabre, maybe. But. Interesting-ish. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But so that's basically was like one of the early types of trading cards other than sports that came out in the 60s. It was really weird. The only reason I bring that up is that there were a lot of different types of trading cards. Well, it started sure. with sports, which we already yeah. mentioned. You know, and I mean, George, baseball was what was your thing? You collected baseball cards. Yeah. I mean, you know, baseball, you start all the way back with the Honus Wagner card being one of the most rare baseball cards there is. I think there's only like four known to exist at this point. Mm -hmm. That sounds like something I might have seen on Pawn Stars at one point. Uh, yeah. Well, if you did, it was probably <laughs> fake because like right. I said, there's only four and they ain't selling them. The last one that I remember hearing about, it was a million plus card and this was probably 20 years ago. And is that when they were, they were kind of smaller too. They were. They were. I know that yeah. a lot of early trading cards, like they came on a strip and people mm -hmm. would tear them off when you bought candy. Oh really? I didn't yes. know that. They tear one off and so to get one with clean edges is hard to find or if Very, somebody got yeah. a whole, whole strip, they could separate them, you know, nice and surgically themselves. But yeah. And apparently if you have one of those strips, like a complete strip, that's right. like the gold standard, I guess. Oh, that sure. Nobody oh, I'm really sure Because the ones in the middle are pristine. The edges aren't yes. torn at all. And so, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I loved baseball cards when I was a kid. The most important thing to me was not just the picture or who the card was, but being able to trade that card with other people. Because, mm -hmm. you know, if you had duplicates of Pete Rose, you know, and you wanted uh, Bobby Bonds or something, then you would trade them. But then the back of the cards, that was some of my first reading on my own, reading the stats oh, on the back oh, yeah. and the stories. Yeah. Your parents would read the little, you know, see Jane run kind of books stuff. Yep. But trading cards were the first thing that I read for me. It's like you were doing research on the players that you liked. Exactly. 
exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I never collected much in the way of sport stuff. I mean, I wasn't a big sports fan. And, it, it, you know, it's not because I don't like sports naturally. It's because my parents weren't a big sports fan. And you kind of inherit, I think, what the what your environment is. So I really started picking up on, Mo, you already alluded to, the non-sport, which is kind of its own thing. For me personally, that was what I was, I've always been the most interested in. It was kind of, it's almost like a Weird Al Yankovic parody. It's like <laughs> trading cards are sports cards. And as soon as they were trading cards that were something else, it kind of felt like almost like this interesting kind of like joke thing. It's like, it's weird to see this TV show on a baseball card. You know, it's not mm-hmm. a baseball card anymore, but it became this whole realm. Yeah, because for a while they were just called baseball cards. They weren't really they were exactly called trading right. cards. Oh, good point. Right, right, right. And there are tons of different kinds. TV shows, of course. I know there was like what Saved by the Bell had a set. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> X-Files. I, I had a set of X-Files. Of course, all the Star Trek and Star, Star Wars was yeah, huge. I still have my complete set of Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah, which which set, though? They, they had yeah. so many more sets. They the, kept doing more. Maroon set, the first one they came out The original with. ones. Yeah, yeah the one they with kept the maroon doing more and more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And they'll do an anniversary. Every five years, there's a 40th anniversary. 45th, 45th anniversary. anniversary. Right, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They would keep doing them over and over and over. I mean, pretty much every movie or TV popular, if a TV show was at all popular, they had a trading card. Mm-hmm. I, some of my favorite movies, I remember, I uh, if I didn't get them at the time in the 90s after the, the glut of them were out there, it was so cheap to get a set. I remember having a Raiders of the Lost Ark mm-hmm. set. Oh, wow. <laughs> I remember having the Star Wars ones. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 As a matter of fact, I yeah. got a Star Wars card in that little trading pack from the guy at Dragon Con. Oh, did you? Well, oh, cool. cool. It's like uh, on the indoor moon with C-3PO and R2-D2. It's that card. So I'm like, oh, look at that. That's cool. I had a Close Encounters of the Third Kind set. I had mm-hmm. an E.T. set. And something interesting about the movies, especially that I found, if you collect them all, and you look at them in order, especially if you're a big fan of the movie, like Raiders of the Lost Ark, mm-hmm. they kind of try to tell you the story of the movie as it goes through, like they'll show a scene right. and kind of go, Marion runs this bar, you know, she's like sitting right. in the bar and she, <laughs> it's like, if you've never seen the movie and you read through the cards, you think maybe you have the story of the movie. You don't, but you kind of tries to retell. Uh, Blade Runner, right? Right. <laughs> it's like my knowledge of Blade Runner that I just kind of intuited. Oddly, I never had a Blade Runner. I might have known Blade Runner better if I had a set of the trading cards. True. Well, if you think about it, those trading cards are really kind of like the storyboards for us. I mean, they wouldn't release the real storyboards that they used to make the film. Yeah. But trading cards were kind of that same thing where it's just like that single little drawing picture, from snapshot, the film. whatever. Yep. And yep. if it's in order, that's just what they do with the storyboards on set. Yeah. yeah but, but it's but it's like the storyboard in reverse. It's like now that it's done, mm-hmm. we'll take this shot and try to reverse engineer what the story is, what's happening, you know. Here's Absolutely. the Devil's Tower and yeah. that's where Spaceship shows up. Like, what? Huh? Oh, the Close Encounters ones. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, wow. yeah. I had that set. Yeah, it was yeah. cool. You know what was really interesting too like you talk about you had a set i remember you could buy like people would collect on purpose whole sets and then sell them as sets at those conventions yeah i bought a lot of sets that way yeah I sure did. that was because yeah. it was sometimes it was really hard to find like that chaser damn card number 31 there's only like 17 of them in the whole freaking world or something well and the thing they did about that too was i mean later on it would be a base set uh, all, all the collecting i've done i'm sure you know this like there's a base set of like 50 cards. Right. And then there's sub series within there. And when you buy a set, it's only going to be that base set. It's not going to be any of the fun, cool chaser extras and stuff. We'll talk about all the bonuses later. It devalued the base sets to the point you could get any base set you wanted. It's all those cool chaser cards you're talking about, George, that you have to go and chase down and buy or hunt down in a pack. Right. Exactly. There was a set that I loved when I was, I don't know, 
maybe 10 or nine or something like that. It was a set of cards that I collected out of Wonder Bread. Oh, remember you talking about that? Yeah. Yeah. The, the ones Mo, you said where they insert the card into uh, products. Mm-hmm. These were cards called Crazy Cars. They were like Volvo and it was Voltvo. And it was a cartoon of the car. It was looked like Frankenstein. It had electricity coming off of it. <laughs> and they were parodies of name brand cars and, and makes. There was a Mack truck, but it was all covered with mud. It was the Muck truck, you know? <laughs> right. And I love those. I recently, uh, recently, I don't know, five, six years ago, got a hold of another set because I'd lost mine. But that reminded me of my love of all the parody cards that I loved. I mean, first, Garbage Pail Kids. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's the big one. Yeah, from our era, Garbage Pail Kids is mm-hmm. probably the top parody card there was. That thing has been out for late 70s, I think, and they continue to make them today. They're still They're making still them? still sets. Yep, wow. absolutely. So they lasted longer than Cabbage Patch Dolls. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, no kidding kidding. And it was always like a cute little kid and he's always uh, something terrible or devastating is happening to him or he has some terrible disfigurement or he's dying in some horrible right. way and they had a parody of joke name on him. Did you guys collect the Garbage Pail Kids? Um, I don't think I mean I used to buy them occasionally. I didn't actually like actively collect mm-hmm. them but it's always yep. fun to read and you bring them into school and you know you laugh at them. Yeah. <laughs> I remember getting in trouble for having those at school because I went to a private Christian school and they were like oh that's the devil. And <laughs> They're kind like, of subversive. What? Yeah they like, are. No, it's not. Yeah. It's just a kid with snot fire coming out of his ears. How is that the devil? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, whatever. Well, yeah, but George's next one, he's farting fire. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I loved them. The one thing about trading cards that's important is sharing them with your friends, showing them to people. And if you're in an environment where you feel like you can't do that, then, you know, you don't collect them as it's much. It's hard to probably. trade. Yeah, yeah. The whole, whole trading aspect of it, you can't do that. I know. That's Absolutely. Tough. Something I learned about Garbage Pail Kids, again, when I was doing some research on it, Garbage Pail kids all spawned from a single design for my absolute favorite collectible card series. Oh. It was a wacky package design that got rejected. Really? Oh. It was a single card parodying the Cabbage Patch Kids. <laughs> well, that makes sense because they all did kind of have that they did. Cabbage Patch Kid kind of look to them. Right. And they said, you know what? I think there's a bigger market for this. This could be a whole series and it spawned. Wow. Let me talk about wacky oh packages. Since I have a platform, <laughs> we're talking about, I love <laughs> wacky packages. I still do. I have tons of them today. If you're listening and you don't know what they are, they're very much like those crazy cars I talked about, but they're parodies of everything that's a product. They think you buy the supermarket or the store, toothpaste or coffee or uh, you know shampoo or whatever, and they just kind of did a twist on the name and drew it in some kind of obscene thing with somebody you know has covered in goo or they're eating bolts yeah. or whatever crazy thing they can do. Like the Garbage Pail Kids, it was kind of subversive. It was kind of naughty, I guess. But they were so much fun. And they started actually in the 60s before we wow. were born. And when I was collecting them and I thought they were new, it was the second run in the uh, the late 70s. Mm-hmm. Well, not me, but <laughs> <laughs> not Mo. <laughs> well, they, they might have predated you too, Mo. No, I don't think they did. But anyway, you know, one thing about the Wacky Packs, which looking back at them, is the artwork on them. So good. It was very underground comic looking. I know. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not an aficionado of, you know, comic artists. I know George, you are more so, but they had a huge big name artist who would come in and work on these and do designs. Oh, did they? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, a lot of people recurring, of course, because the design's kind of, you know, consistent throughout them, but uh, it wasn't just junk art. I mean, a lot of the originals will go for good money just because of the named artists. I, I can understand why. I mean, a lot of the comic book art, especially, you know, now that I'm talking to some of them and interviewing them and things like that for different projects, 
you find out that even though they were comic book artists, they were getting paid nothing for most of that time and work. And they didn't really benefit afterwards. Oh, it's really? not like, huh. yeah, I mean, like, you know, you think of movie actors, they get their residuals and stuff like that. Comic book artists didn't really get that kind of a thing from their comic books. They got paid per page, a fee, and that's it. Oh, having to move over to do wacky packages. That was another supplemental income source. Cause you know, if you know, they had their significant other standing next to them. Oh, so you drew a comic book page. That'll buy some bread, but we need milk. <laughs> so you better get out there and find some more work. Okay. I'll make fun of this toothpaste then. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so, and they might've had fun with it because I'm guessing they got to be a little bit more creative than they did with some of the stuff they had to do for the comic books. Cause that's very corporate Marvel and DC. There's no script you're writing to either. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I can see that. Just arrived. Star Trek 25th anniversary trading cards. Collecting the cards was collecting the cards, which was its own fun. Uh, Some cards were just cards, uh, like the wacky packages and the garbage pails we talked about. Those were actually all stickers. They were designed to peel off and stick on stuff, which I did a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, they were all over every flat surface in my house. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's what got me in trouble at school, putting them on the lunchbox. Yep, me too. <laughs> Sometimes, but stickers and things like that were extras that came in the pack of cards, right? You you mm-hmm. peel open that little, you know, sealed thing to see what cards you have. And sometimes there are bonuses in there. Yep. Stickers were one bonus, but probably the first bonus thing that you would think of in any cards, and I'm not going to say it's a bonus because it wasn't that great, was the chalky gum <laughs> that we talked about earlier from Tops. Holy crap. Oh, that gum. Anything that crunches before it becomes gum is a problem. Thing had. Yeah. It was like some weird yeah, it, state of matter that doesn't exist in the natural world. Right. Exactly. Like it wasn't hard enough to break your teeth, like that kind of a hard candy thing, but it wasn't soft enough that you felt you should chew it. And I don't know what the hell that powder was for other than like, we don't want it to stick to the cards that everybody wants. Maybe I'm guessing is what I the always powder figured was it was to protect the cards. Cause yeah. it had to be like a super dry formula of gum. And it was, which meant that when you put it in your mouth, it shattered. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> because it had to be so dry. It was awful. There was a run of wacky packages that came out like in, I don't know, 12 or 2013, something like that. And long ago, they stopped including gum in them, but they went back in this one run and they included some gum. Oh my God. Oh Lord. (laughs) Just as kind of a throwback. Right. And they found the formula. It was like taking a bite of 1979. It was like, oh my God, God, that's the flavor. Yep. It's pureed dust gum with baby powder on it. That's the flavor, (laughs) right? Well, and I think the flavor was also kind of informed from the cardboard because I felt like I could taste cardboard whenever I would chew (laughs) that gum. I'm sure you could. You know, because it had just been packaged in there. There are people out there who collected the gum. Seriously. I don't get that. Like, what's wrong with those people? What are you? Are you framing the gum? Because you're not chewing it if you're collecting it. What are you doing with that? They probably last forever. Well, yeah. Yeah. You know, like a McDonald's cheeseburger, you can stick in your pocket and 20 years later, it still looks a damn thing. Yeah, exactly. One of my favorite extras were, um, and sometimes I say this word and people go, what the hell are you talking about? But lenticular cards. Oh, yeah. The ones where you look at them at a different angle and it's a different picture. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Thank you, Mo. <laughs> <laughs> just, I was that's going right, on yeah. with the description. <laughs> Depending on the angle, you turn it and it kind of, it's like a motion oh, card, yeah, they call yeah. it sometimes. Right. I'd see those extras mm-hmm. a lot. Sure. Foil oh, cards yeah. were kind of the chase. We talked about base sets. Yeah. I bought a lot of those with those Star Trek sets. I bought yeah. like people were selling at the conventions, out. like all the foil ones. 
I remember feeling like those foils were worth more money just because they looked metallic or, oh, it's got gold in it. No, it's just yeah. freaking print <laughs> it's foil. Just, it's not, you know. And they didn't have to design a different card even. They just went, you know what? We'll print yeah. this one on foil. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Make it rare. Put an F1 on the back <laughs> instead of a one. Right. <laughs> Done. And only print a hundred of them and people will go nuts. Yep. Oh, yeah. Tattoos were another cool bonus that I remember getting. Remember like, I don't the water remember tattoos? tattoos. Oh, really? Yeah, I do. Oh, yeah. I think they had they had them in the Star Wars one. I remember that specifically. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Huh. I guess well, I never George, got you remember one. kid tattoos in general, right? The yeah, ones that the, like you you cut out and you put it on your hand and, you're, and you put water on it and mm-hmm. rub it. Yeah, you lick your back of your hand and stick the Cracker Jack tattoo on there and it would ink well, would I think it said it. don't lick it. You're supposed to use actual water, but whatever worked <laughs> for did. you. Okay. <laughs> That's why mine always screwed up so bad. I Maybe that's why it was dissolving in your saliva. Yeah, don't put your hand inside binders, you know? <laughs> Smack! <laughs> or use that same set of rules. Scratch-offs sometimes. I'd seen one that had like little games you could play. What, like lottery ticket scratch-offs? Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. The Pac-Man collectible card had a game of Pac-Man you could play. You could scratch off like, which way do you go in the maze? Oh, okay. Now I remember that. Yeah, cool. right. yeah. It was like a disposable game. And if you played it, you go, I'm going to go left. And it's a dot. I'm going to go up and it's a dot. I'm going to go right. Oh, it's blinky. So you'd lose, but you played the game to see how far you could go. That's And funny. every little space, yep. yeah, you could scratch off. And that was a bonus that you Oh, yeah. <laughs> very, very rarely. I've got two of them in my wacky package collection. They would do patches, like iron-on patches. Oh, really? Really? Super, wow. Yeah, super thin, but they take that original art and put them on patches. That's kind of cool. I'd mm-hmm. like to see some yeah. of those. That's neat. And speaking of original art, I mentioned the comic artists that were kind of in garbage pails and wackies. I have several where they actually actually were original drawings by the artist. And there were two levels of it. You either had the original drawing, literally, which meant there was one of them. Oh, wow. Or they would do a print of the original before coloring that was just autographed by the artist. Holy Wait, cow. wait, wait, wait. Okay, so how did they, because the artist didn't draw it in that small form factor. How did they put that inside the pack? These, this is original art redrawn by the artist, not his original full-size art. So for example, if he did a parody of some bubblegum, right? Mm -hmm. And then as a pack-in bonus, he would take like 10 cards and he would do a quick rough sketch of that bubblegum he had done. On a card, like on that size. But yep. he'd, take, oh, okay. he'd take a plain white card with a, with a border and he would do a drawing in ink huh. and sign it. And so it's an original art by him, not the original print from the thing, but literally that artist would redraw his art for like, you know, 10 random packets. Oh, wow. Okay, that's something I want to start collecting. I want to go start finding some of that stuff now. Those fetch a decent I'm price, sure. but they're they really do. neat to have because it's like, this is the real guy did a real drawing just for you. It's like you, you meet an artist somewhere and he does a, you know, I'll do a quick drawing of Spider-Man for you. That kind of right. thing, you know? And it's the only one it's ever that kind exists. of deal, but it's a random packet. That's cool. Actually, one I saw, they had these like video game cards. I don't know if you remember those. Well, we were just talking about Pac-Man, yeah, so. Yeah. Someone was ahead that like, especially after the some of the consoles came out, is they would have like hints to how to play the game. Really? Oh, I yeah. never saw All the way those. up into the console uh-huh. era? Wow. Ooh. Why was there never Atari trading cards? Hmm. Right? Are you sure? I think there I would have collected the living crap out of those. I think we just came up with the next Gen X grown up project. I think we need to make some Atari trading cards. No, I think we yeah, should. Really. I you know what would be the best part of the trading card set? Would be the covers from the Atari game boxes. Mm-hmm. That yep. would be awesome oh, trading card fodder. No kidding. That would be awesome. Those would be cool. That would be very, very cool. Yesterday's heroes and Tomorrow's superstars can be worth a lot of money to you on baseball cards. Whether you're a hobbyist or a serious collector, you should see the selection at American Baseball Cards. At American, we have the largest selection of baseball and football single sets and wax packs in Spokane. Hello, Gen X grown-up. I'm Matt Man. I'm Tommy Two Stars. And together, we're the Deep, Deep Fried, Fried Geeks. Geeks. A weekly podcast where we talk about movies 
comics, TV shows, food, gaming, and general geek news. That's right. Sometimes we even have celebrity guests. Oh yeah, like who? Like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> the Incredible Hulk. Hulk wanna sit here while we pod. Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> you guys are the funniest guys in the world. <laughs> Christopher Walken. You know, I've never been on a better podcast. I think I like it a lot. And Gollum from Lord of the Rings. So if you like loudmouths, you guys are a little bit too awesome for your taste, but you know what? That's okay anyway. Then make sure you check us out anywhere where you listen to your podcast. Keep calm and geek on. Another thing that was, I don't want to know, was it a bonus or was it normal? It depends. I think most of the cards had these, but sometimes on the back of a card, mm-hmm. George, you were talking about reading the card. It would either be stats about your favorite player or it would be something about the story of that picture. Yeah. The yeah. scene on the movie. But in some of them, they were designed to be a three by three puzzle of other artwork. Remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The Star Wars did that. And that was always the hard thing because I would always try and collect all the cards to get that picture put together, but I would always be missing one. So my picture was never (laughs) complete. It would drive me nuts. Oh man. Yeah. I remember that pictures on the back of them. I know the ones that I've collected. I always thought, man, somebody really thought this out because if you have binders, right? Like three ring binders of stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, keep them away from George. They would always start the puzzle. So the puzzles, you know, you you put nine in a page, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. A puzzle would always start at 10 or would start at 19 or whatever. So that when you put them in the sleeves, the puzzle will be correct on the back. And I always thought I somebody really that. thought wow. that through. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, probably not everybody did, but at some point somebody figured it out in the later ones. And the ones that I have in binders, you flip the page and you can see the puzzle without having to take them out. That's really cool. I, all I remember is like never being able to complete one of those bastards. Like exactly. there's always one <laughs> missing. That's what I'm saying. You can me off. never complete the whole side. I think they did that on purpose. I'm sure they did. <laughs> Go buy another pack. That's right. The beauty of being a grown-up Gen Xer who can now invest in things from his past is I've gone back and purchased like boxes of old, you know, unopened wacky packages and garbage pails and stuff. And so you can sit down. It's like a a childhood dream of like, I'm going to open 30 packages of these cards. (laughs) It's like, oh my God. (laughs) It's just the the, the joy of just ripping them all open, you know? And it's like, oh, it's getting boring, but it never does. It's just so much fun to open them. And if you buy a box, you're guaranteed to get at least one full set in most of these later boxes, which is cool. Right. And maybe like one rare. And so- uh, by buying the sealed box, you're you know you're sure to get something cool, mm-hmm. and that that way I always got the puzzle completed because I was <laughs> sure to have all that stuff. You know, one thing I always thought about these trading cards, which were, made them I guess interesting, or I could see why kids got so addicted to them, is that you could get all of them. Right there, there's yeah, a, goal. a goal, like for a series, like even baseball cards. Right, there's only so many players and so many right. team cards and this right. year at least. Yeah, you, know, you would always try to get that year's rookie set. Right, or exactly. A particular team. Yeah, and so for some reason, I don't ask me why. John, I have a feeling that you were particularly crazy about getting the entire sets of things. I don't know why I'm thinking that. <laughs> George, I mean, you know, you know, you know him longer than me, but he seems like he'd be the type of kid. Oh, yeah. No, no. I mean, <laughs> not hey, the no, type of kid. Profiling. He's that type of adult. The hell that's with profiling. profiling. That's you. <laughs> now, oddly enough, it mu- maybe I fell on my head at some point that changed me. Early on, <laughs> when I was getting trading cards, I would actually peel off the stickers and put them on things. I didn't have that same compulsion 
to have them all pristine. So, so the nice thing is I enjoyed so them. So the psychosis that came later in life. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's good. I was able to enjoy them in the way they were meant to be enjoyed because the ones I collected tended to be stickers. And what's the good of a sticker if you just put it in a book? I mean, it's designed to be smacked onto things. So I did that and it was not until later, probably in my late teens, early 20s, that, yeah, some, something I was exposed to gamma radiation or something and be, no, became you know the incredible compulsive to? person. What you were exposed to was money. Because if you think about it, all of us start that way. I mean, in all right, honesty, yeah. when you're a kid, like what's the value of the card? The value of the card is showing it off. Playing it's with it. Playing yeah. with it, talking to your friends, trading them, putting it on a lunchbox if it's a sticker. But later on, the value of those cards or those sets is finding the rare ones so that the hope that someday when you're 80 years old, you can hand this to your grandchild and say, this is worth $10 million dollars go forth and start your new life. Or you can look at your grandkid and say, this is worth $10 million and I'm taking it to the grave because you're such a little bastard. Whatever the reason is, it's a different value system. In defense of humanity, not everyone evolves that same compulsion that some of us have for completionism. But I, I think you're right. I think if you have it in you, the ability to be able to hoard things like that, the money brings it out. You're, I, I don't no. think you're wrong. Yeah. Right. And when you do start complete it, you're going to be wanting to care for it. The, a good point. Yep. Mo, how did you care for your trading cards? Uh, shoebox. <laughs> Just <laughs> a shoebox. Shoe <laughs> right. You fit two rows Underneath side by side in a shoebox very easily. Yep. Ooh. But right. that's it. Yep. What happened when you filled the shoebox? Just get another shoebox? That's it? Yeah, just get another shoebox. Yeah. Okay. There was always room under the bed for one more shoebox. George? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it started off with shoebox, but then as I got a little bit older and started wanting to collect them for monetary purposes, binders with the little plastic sleeves. You talked about that earlier with the picture sets and stuff. Mm-hmm. I still have my binders from my Star Trek ones over here on the bookshelf, actually. Yeah, I still use binders and little sleeves for the rare ones. I have the equivalent of long boxes for trading cards that have dividers between them. Oh, do you really? Wow. Yeah, and I I, I tend to make little hard plastic dividers between the different sets (laughs) so they look like little Rolodex so I can put between them. And I I have different categories. I have the complete sets that go in the binder, and then I have the subsets that go in the boxes, then I have the extras that go in there, and then I have the rares that are chase cards, and those all have sleeves. Yeah, (laughs) collectible cards like that, it, it, it panders right to that kind of like super completionist in anyone that has it. And it's uh, it's an addiction, but I love them. I love them. Have you guys seen this latest trend though? It was just like the digital trading cards, like Steam has them. Oh yeah. Oh I yeah. I mean, I didn't really think of them that way, but yeah. I've seen those on Steam and it never occurred to me that it's an equivalency to a trading card because you know it's because I can't put my fingers on it. Right. They try to monetize them and have value and you try to collect them and you turn them into something else, but- that's right. They do. You kind of earn them in the course of playing a game. Yeah. And they even, they have monetary value. Yeah, exactly. You can trade them, right? Yeah, you can. I mean, you can actually look at them and trade them. And actually, if you pull them up in Steam, especially, they'll have like, they'll tell you what the monetary value is of that one or what people are willing to pay for it. Yeah. yeah most of them are a yeah, nickel very, or very a dime right. or less usually. But Although, why would anybody pay real money for a virtual car to still be on me? I can't get over the fact that my kids all the time are like paying for extra armor just because it looks a certain way in a video game or something. <laughs> I'm like, does it help the character at all? No, it's just cool. And you spent $10 of my money on this yeah. crap? What the? F- 
Yeah, there's a weird disconnect. I mean, so I don't mind paying real money for a game that only exists in the cloud. I don't mind paying real money for a book or a comic that only exists in the cloud. Right. But yeah, I, I don't I don't see the connection to paying real money for a trading yeah. card that only exists in the cloud. Yeah, I, I can't do that. Yeah. Something does not compute in me for that. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I mean, good on you if you hey, enjoy yeah, it. Absolutely. I'm not down on you, but it, I don't I don't get that. Interesting. Ooh, digital trading cards. Kids well, today, get off my lawn. Bro, <laughs> these damn whippersnappers. Bro, said superstar music card. That's right, Bill. Totally hot photo cards of your favorite pop rock and rap star. Thanks, very God, dude. You're welcome, Bill. And remember, this is stamp collecting, dude. If anything in this episode has piqued your interest, we've put links in the show notes you can click on to find out more. Catch up on past shows and be alerted every week when a new one drops by subscribing to us in Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, iTunes, or wherever you like to listen. While in iTunes, take a second to rate and review the show. And if you have a friend who isn't yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. We'd love to hear from our fourth listener, so email your thoughts, suggestions, questions, ideas, or complaints on this or any other episode to podcast at genxgrownup.com. And finally, Gen X Grown Up is so much more than just this podcast. You can also find our video content on YouTube or explore our entire body of work on our website at genxgrownup.com. Trading cards, collectible cards. You know, we talk about in the backtrack that we're looking at things that have either changed dramatically or maybe have gone away entirely. Collectible cards is something that it has changed somewhat, but the great thing is that it hasn't gone away. I think what people collect has changed dramatically. Right. Mo, you mentioned that the, the huge flood in the late 90s has caused them to pare back on kind of what gets a trading card. So that's changed quite a bit. Unless you're at Walmart and then that whole shelf is full of nothing but trading cards. There is a huge shelf of junk there. You, you <laughs> are right. One thing that probably has not changed at all is sports cards. No. I mean, baseball, football, yep. those kind of cards have always yep. been huge. It might be the non-sports that really have gone through the biggest evolution. Yeah, there. I mean, in mm-hmm. some ways, they, I mean, they became games. Like you look at like Magic the Gathering and Pokemon. Yu-Gi-Oh, oh, good point. Right. right. Yeah, so evolved like a, yeah, like yeah. Co- something you do with still it. want to collect them for the sets, but they have a, like a goal. Like I want this card because it does this particular ability or something like that, but they're still collectible. Right, you are. Good point. Collectible mm-hmm. card games, a whole thing. CCGs. Yeah. Well, yeah. And some of them have even became just games of themselves like Munchkin. That's not a trading card game, but those kind of are all born from that thing. You wouldn't have Munchkin if it wasn't for the trading cards, I don't believe. No question or you still get booster packs and whatever yeah. you build your deck and do things yeah no question that's cool well guys it has sure been fun reminiscing about collectible cards my obsessive compulsive uh, tendencies <laughs> and all of the history that mo you dug up <laughs> no problem so with that we will be back next week with our regular episode i am john mo thanks so much for being here oh always fun man and george sure do appreciate you man yes sir and most importantly fourth listener we appreciate you for being here and we will talk to you next time bye bye everybody see you later This podcast is an affiliate of the GWW Radio Network. Visit Geeks Worldwide at thegww.com for news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, TV, cosplay, and more. (laughs) Then the podcast would be like five minutes. Wow. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. Bye-bye, everybody. (laughs) George is not here. The show is over. (laughs) (sighs) Tough crowd. 
Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chapotis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good poor. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.